0: squad and welcome to ranks fc your favorite football podcast back for another week and back with a bit of a classic topic today very excited about this one my name is jack collins and i'll be your host for today and i'm joined as ever by the rank god mr sam ty how you doing mate
2: yes hello mate hello everybody how are we how are we yeah, well, well
0: all good. It's, good. it's been a nice bank holiday weekend. We've had a, the sun is shining. It's been mostly lovely. The Masters was on. Can't complain. Can't complain at all. Uh, and how are you to our transfer group, Mister Dean Jones?
3: Very good, mate. Very good. Uh, as you say, yeah, mostly a nice weekend, wasn't it? A couple of downpours, but the sun actually came out, and that cheers us up. We haven't seen that for a long time.
0: It's glorious <laughs> out now as well. Sitting here watching. It is. Watching, it
3: is. It's cold soft. though. I'm doing this from the garden.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I've actually yes. just
3: posted a picture of what I'm doing right now. um My new setup is absolutely a star. It's an ironing board as a desk, and it is absolutely elite. It's so long, and it goes across the whole of the sofa. So I've got like the remote controls if I need them. I've got my phone. I've got an iPad. I've got a coffee cup. I've got a glass of water. Everything I need. There's one of the laptop and my microphone. On this ironing board, which obviously can be put to the perfect height as I sit on the couch. Lads, I've absolutely nailed this. I can't believe I haven't been doing this for two and a half years.
0: Well, there you have it. The professionalism of Ranks FC in one fell swoop. I'm so smart. <laughs> that that I don't think anyone's ever doubted. Right, <laughs> let's roll on to things we love before we get on to our main topic today. We're going to be talking about the best front threes in Europe or, or compiling the best front threes in Europe, not necessarily the ones that all play together, just picking out those players from each of Europe's top five leagues who have shone across the course. This is going to be fun. I'm looking it's going to be lots to of it. fun. Yeah, I am mm. too. Really am too. Uh, before that, we have some things we love from this weekend. And Sam, why don't you kick us off?
2: Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll go with uh, loving Unai Emery's march up the table. Incredible, isn't it? This is one of the biggest stories in the Premier League at the moment. And that is really saying something, considering The fact that the race for the title looks so strong, the fight to not get relegated is literally between about eight or nine teams. Um, It's very odd, actually, in that situation, in that context, that a team surging up into sixth place would be such a storyline. But when Unai Emery took the Villa job, they were 17th after 13 games and they were two points off bottom. That is the situation that he inherited. And as you've no doubt seen, the statistic will tell you that only Arsenal and Man City have taken more points since Unai Emery's appointment at Villa than Villa themselves. So to say it's quite the turnaround would be a bit of an understatement, I would say. And don't know if they will actually qualify for Europe. There's uh, Brighton have a couple games in hand and they look fantastic. Liverpool can still swoop in quite clearly. Um, So we'll see. We'll see. But at least from Villa's perspective, it's been five, six excellent months. And for Unai Emery, I think I'm particularly pleased for him because... He was desperate to get back into the Premier League. He had like this burning desire to, to come and take another Premier League coaching job to really prove himself because, you know, the Arsenal spell was pretty mixed. And unfortunately, he was mocked for a couple of different reasons. He wanted to set the record straight. He's an excellent coach. He knows it. He wants to show the rest of England that's the case. And right now he is looking like a bit of a king, in my opinion. Uh, superb job since taking the reins early November.
0: Yeah, um, if any Aston Villa fans want to give us a shout out to say thank you very much to uh, Marco Silva's Fulham, you're more than welcome. Obviously, it was <laughs> a game at the cottage that spelled the end of Steven Gerrard's reign yeah. at Villa Park and uh, and meant that Unai Emery came in. But no, generally, I think when you're <laughs> looking That's at very it. was a very
2: Lampard transition.
0: It was, very, it was a Lampard <laughs> transition. I knew exactly what was coming. No, but seriously, yeah, they're really doing well. Emery Emery is a fantastic manager. And and there is can be questions, and I think there can be fair questions about what his ceiling is. Obviously, we, we saw him at PSG, we saw him at Arsenal, especially at Arsenal, it was one of those where it, it just didn't feel right, really, at any given point. It, it just didn't seem to click for him. And so there was this kind of, you know, sort of maybe comedy idea of what he was. And, and obviously that wasn't helped by by the sketches in the media, but understanding, you know, what, a brilliant coach Emery is and seeing what he's done in Spain especially with Sevilla and then Villarreal his ability to take a side and make them more than the sum of their parts I think is incredible and if Villa are in Europe next season if Villa do get that seventh conference league spot Dean would you bet against Unai Emery going all the way in another European competition because I certainly wouldn't <laughs>
3: No, definitely not. I think Villa's biggest challenge actually will be keeping hold of Unai Emery um, beyond next season because that's that's that will be the next caveat for him. And um, the, the, the temptation to, to go to another big bigger club again, because as soon as you start to taste success at a club like Villa, um, you know, the vultures will begin circling and a club like Tottenham or somebody of that level will probably be thinking, oh, actually, he might be able to do a job. And at the moment, they won't be going there because Unai Emery is definitely very happy with what he's, um, what he's got at hand. But that will be the test. Um, we'll have to see. I think there's a few players, you know, Emi Martinez, for example, he'll be in that same situation too at Villa, whereby you know, d- does he stick this out and, and wait to, to try and make it into Europe with Villa or... If, again, somebody like Tottenham offers money for him in the summer, would he be tempted to go there? It's that very fine line, isn't it? And you to say, Emery, because he got burned once before at Arsenal, will probably be a little bit more hesitant next time. He's got to make sure that, that there's a good fit. But, oh, look, if they can carry on like this, he, he probably needs to get a couple out of the club um, in the summer. But once he brings in a couple of additions too... That squad's going to be so streamlined. They'll be definitely ready to push for top seven.
0: Yeah, it feels like it. And uh, look, Villa are a massive club. I think that sometimes people forget this, considering the the years of, of bouncing between championship and survival and just about surviving under Dean Smith, and then starting to kick up the league. Villa are a huge force in in British football. And you know, one of my favorite statistics ever is that when John Terry joined Villa the first game he played was a sold out villa park and that was the highest home attendance he's ever played in front of you know for a, for a home player because villa park is a bigger stadium than stamford bridge and when you look at those kind of things it's easy to kind of forget that i think and 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 sometimes it's nice to see one of the giants rising again and if If Villa can continue under Emery and continue on this trajectory, there's no reason we can't see a a Martin O'Neill-esque dynasty here at Villa. So um, there's lots to look forward to, I think, at Aston Villa right
2: now. But back to your point, you know, shouts out Douglas O'Wees getting red carded at the cottage, forcing Gerrard out and starting this whole ball rolling. Fantastic. You were absolutely spot on, Jack. You were joking, but you also definitely weren't.
0: Well, no, absolutely not. That's a ripple for you. Um, So you can enjoy those ones. Right, Dean, what have you got?
3: Well, I've got a forty-year-old podcaster who's an absolute legend of the game, and no, it's not me, lads. It's not me. It's <laughs> Ben Foster. <laughs> oh God, me and me and Fozzie have got so much in common, lads. Um, okay, maybe I couldn't, maybe I couldn't have done what he did at the weekend, though, because obviously, yeah, very successful at podcasting, our mate Ben Foster, a power of the industry now. But um, he's gone back to playing football. He used to play for Man United in England now gone back to wrexham they had a game on monday against knots county as a top of the table battle and um wrexham won three two with ben foster saving a penalty at injury time a great save too and his analysis of it as well was like oh i could tell by the way he spotted the ball and the way he walked back exactly where it was going like Wrexham and you spotted
0: the ball of what it was. Yeah.
3: He went back to the it. Oh God, it. the drama to have a, a goalkeeper with this much experience and now is absolutely unbelievable. And this is why it helps when you've got, you know, stars of Hollywood running your football club and you can, you can entice people like this to come back into the game. Uh, obviously the, the Wrexham documentary was already a success. Like the next series of it are going to be absolutely insane. Um, they're not quite there yet into the Football League. They are three points clear of Notts County. Um, they have hand. a game in hand, so they're basically there. Uh, but the story's not quite finished yet. But unbelievable what they're managing at Wrexham. And, yeah, I didn't actually manage to see the game live. I watched it on catch-up because I was watching some other non-league lads. And uh, we all know that um, my local team, Wharton and Hersham, are absolutely flying. Two games left, top of the league still. Yesterday, I went to watch them. Big game. They won 6 0. They were 5 0 up with Eddie Simon scoring all five. He scored five goals in 35 minutes. A 15 minute hat trick, I think he had, or maybe it's even a 10 minute hat trick. This lad is absolutely ridiculous. During the game, I actually had a big agent, like, does some serious deals, messaging me asking if he needs to get into the Football League. He's like, tell me what I need to know. Like, what chance can he do it? What, what What do I need to know about him? And I'm like, it's hard to say. He's a 27-year-old dentist. It's really hard to say <laughs> where, what he's ready for at this stage. But he is uh, in in he's the last 14 goals, games.
0: He's got 40 Sorry. goals this season now, I believe. 41, maybe. Well,
3: uh, he's got 27 goals in his last 14 games and five of them are hat-tricks. It's absolutely ludicrous. He's the non-league Holland. Um, and it's just so funny. One of the goals he scored, lad? I think it's the best goal I've seen all season. It came across to him. He took a touch. It was like a, it might have been a half volley rather than a volley. But he smashes it from 30 yards. And it look, I, as he first hit it, I thought, oh, well, that's going over the fence. That's going in the car park. And it dips and literally goes into the very top corner. It was mental. It was absolutely mental. But, yeah, it's, it's fun. Non-league football is my thing this weekend.
0: Yeah, well, it was it was a great weekend, and uh, so a lot of it. There was a lot of coverage. There was a lot of love for for non-league football over the course of the weekend, which is always good to see uh, as well. You're walking a from the top of that league. My Hamwell survived. They are they are oh, safe. So we playing you next they season, maybe. So as long as you win the league, there will be the Dean Jones Jack Collins derby. In the South Central Premier, step three. Mate, oh, very I will exciting. be
3: beating you up in the car park after that
0: one. Can't wait.
1: Can't <laughs> wait.
0: The unbelievable vibe. Um, I'm going to come up a couple of divisions, but not too many, um, because I want to talk about the championship this weekend. The Easter weekend for you know those not in the UK is a really special weekend of football but especially kind of lower down than the Premier League because there's games on Good Friday and then there's games on Easter Monday it's one of those weekends that can often define the championship season uh, and it was definitive in the championship season because Burnley secured promotion on Friday night with a win at Middlesbrough and then last night they beat Sheffield United who were second in the table 2-0 to basically secure the title. They're 14 points clear with six games to play. I mean, it's not done, but it, it's done. Um, Sheffield United, five points clear of Luton in third, who they have an air game in hand as well. So Sheffield, you know, the Blades will will expect to see that one out uh, I think, but it's been kind of all chaos in the playoff places as well. Luton, Middlesbrough, Millwall, and Blackburn currently occupying those spots. But Preston have been, I think, six wins from their last seven uh, under Ryan Lowe. They have rose up the table. Norwich couldn't beat Rotherham, which would have brought them into the picture. And Coventry uh, came back from 2 0 down at home against Watford to draw two all. Should have had a penalty as well late on in this game to win it um which would have brought them up to 62 as well there's five games left and the playoff faces are, are so so exciting there was there was a heap of absolutely wonderful games a hat-trick of two alls that were live on Sky Sports yesterday first Huddersfield Blackburn Rovers then Coventry Watford um and and then we got to the late games Bristol City Middlesbrough two all as well Burnley ruined it by winning 2-0 uh, in the fourth game of the day but it was a real nice sort of flow of championship football all day long yesterday. Um, And at the bottom of the table, it's no easier. Paul Ince has just been sacked uh, by Reading. They are in the relegation zone by a point. I feel a bit sorry for Paul Ince because... Mate, don't. Well, they've just got a six-game... They just got a six-point six, a six point reduction they're like it's not their play on the pitch which has left them in the relegation zone they would be 17 if it's that reduction hadn't gone oh no that's fine but like the point i'm making is that he's a bit like well this is definitely not my doing like he's well, got no. to that point although he did come out and say we had eight first team players out pep guardiola or klopp couldn't have made us win yesterday <laughs> which is seems a bit harsh when they lost in the 95th minute. Paulins
3: should not be talking about those two at any point in time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) To have the self-confidence of Paulins would be something I I think we could all all get on board with. Um, But it's really tight down the bottom as well. Um, Blackpool and Wigan look doomed, sadly. But Reading Reading on 41, Cardiff on 42 uh, with a game in hand. QPR on 43, Huddersfield on 43. It's really, really tight down there for that last spot in the relegation zone uh, down to League One. So keep an eye on the bottom of the championship. Five, six games to go, depending on a couple of games in hand. Um, And a lot to play for at both ends of the table.
2: Yeah, Monday was good. I sort of dipped in and out of the championship stuff. I watched some Danish football, watched Copenhagen and Alborg. And I finished the evening by watching Barcelona versus Girona, which I I was sure would be the best game. But it was actually by far the worst. By far the worst. Yeah, that's what you get for not not believing in the championship on Easter Monday? This mm. is this is tradition
0: and you must yeah. stick with it. Uh, right. So after the break, we're gonna be talking about the best front threes in Europe. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC. We're time for our main segment. We're gonna be looking at the best front threes in Europe. Sam. Over to you.
2: Yeah, credit to uh, Mr. Dean Jones uh, on this one. Very good idea that he came up with. Uh, we'll go league by league. We'll start in the Premier League and go through Europe's top five leagues. And we're going to nominate the best front threes from each league based on form this season. And, uh, you know, a pinch of overall quality as well, I think is important to factor in. But really, we're looking at who's performed the best this season. Then we're going to make up a fantasy front three, the best we can offer for each of the leagues. And then I would suggest at the end, we go ahead and rank them. How does that sound? 100%. It sounds
0: on brand
2: is what it sounds. Mm, 100%. Right. Oh, wow. So form this season, very important. Remember that as we go through. And any statistics that I read out will be league only. Okay. Let's start in the Premier League. And it's an easy start, I think, really, up front. Man in form, nine goals in 11 games. He scores basically every time he takes to the pitch. He's just equaled a record set by Sergio Aguero for consecutive goals in away games. It's Olly Watkins for Aston. Sorry, <laughs> hang on. No, it's sorry. Erling Haaland, 30 goals, <laughs> 30 goals for Erling Haaland now and five assists in 26 starts. He's just scored mm. a brace at St. Mary's. I can't decide if the second one was a scissor kick or a bicycle kick. Um, that's the situation we're in. The goal was so good, I can't even figure it out. So let's lock (laughs) him in up front and let's go ahead and lock in Bukayo Saka on the right as well. I'm not accepting any opposition to that. He's the only Premier League player to hit double figures for goals and assists. There's 12 goals and 10 assists. He's been Arsenal's best player this season, uh, basically undroppable. And I don't think you can really debate this one. However, On the left, we may have our first conundrum, guys. I don't think that there is an obvious player here who commands a place on the left. I think there are four, three or four, who have a a genuine shout. And I would like to hand the floor to Dean Jones to try and decipher the differences between Gabriel Martinelli and Marcus Rashford to kick us off here, because those are the, the two prime candidates I think we've got. Oh, are they? Okay. So, um...
3: Rashford is the most obvious one. He, since the World Cup, has been in absolutely ludicrous form. Um, again, has been United's main source of goals. Um, like you, like City would turn to Holland, United turn to to Rashford, not for as many, but certainly for the same impact. Martinelli, different kind of impact player, isn't he? Um, he has to. Sh- they share out the goals more evenly at Arsenal. But Martinelli does does definitely turn up. I wasn't actually expecting him to be the main person you put into the conversation. That's caught me a little bit by surprise. Hey, who was it? you were going to say Jack Grealish. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. And the reason that I would throw Jack Grealish into this conversation as the third option is especially how we're weighing up this front three because Jack Grealish plays with Erling Haaland. So if we were to actually feel, field a front three here, <laughs> would we want that familiarity of Jack Grealish playing on the left so that he understands Haaland a bit better? Or are we happy with a Marcus Rashford or Martinelli. I have to say, I still, I think like my hunch from the first moment we set out to do this show was that Rashford is the best left-sided player in the Premier League right now. I totally will accept there are arguments to be made for Martinelli. I don't think though Martinelli is an all-round footballer at his best, he's as good as Rashford at his best. That's the probably the main argument I'd make on that. As I say, yeah, I'd throw Grealish in a little bit from my end just because, one, the impact he's had at Man City since the World Cup, particularly recently, and the fact that the other guys can't have is that he understands Erling Haaland as much as anyone in the world actually could.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's really tricky. It's really tricky. My hunch was Rashford as well until you said Martinelli and now my hunch is Martinelli. Mm -hmm, Um, Is it? (laughs) Yeah. I I think that it's probably just a little bit understated how impressive he's been in terms of progression, in terms of stepping up when, you know, Arsenal lost Gabby Jesus and and then Kessier as well. The fact that Martinelli jumped into the centre and Arsenal didn't really miss a beat, I think, was was really impressive. Uh, And... Just his kind of versatility, his ability to carry, and his explosiveness. Yeah, I'd probably give Martinelli the edge. I'll what are you
3: looking for, Sam? What do you want in your left-sided forward? I guess it comes down to. So they're different.
2: I don't think. I think. It, I think it would be a little bit dangerous to get too hung up on whether or not they could actually play together in real life, uh, because agree, as we okay. move through the rest of the leagues this is going to be genuinely obstructive if we set that precedent so let's let's put that aside for now and forget that Grealish and, and erling holland have a have a real relationship and to me uh, i mean i've got rashford and martinelli you know they're almost level pegging on goals and assists in terms of production they've got 14 goals and four assists for martinelli 15 goals and four assists for rashford they're yeah. they're, they're dead even more or less the way i would split them personally is i think that rashford is more important to his team I think Martinelli is like the third or fourth most important part of the attack, which sounds like a criticism, but it's massively not when your colleagues are Gabi Jesus and Martin Odegaard. So mm-hmm. I would go for Rashford because I think they lean on him a little bit more and he has stood up under that pressure. Um, although I think Grealish is a fine shout. And I think Karo uh, Matoma is exceptional too. So just a tiny little shout for him too. But look, if I've got the deciding vote, I'm going to make it Rashford.
0: Okay.
3: Yeah. Right. I think we'd have a war on our hands if we didn't put Rashford in. So I think it's the sensible Can choice. The
0: other
3: factor, I think... The other factor like think,
0: like, that we're missing that's very important is that Mana Solomon's only been fit for half the season. Otherwise, <laughs> we'd be in this conversation.
3: <laughs> I think Rashford would impact more Premier League teams than Martinelli would on his own. Like Martinelli obviously fits into this system brilliantly at Arsenal. And it's It's absolutely ideal. Mm. I feel like Rashford... Probably just just has the edge on him as an individual. It's close, okay.
2: very close. Yeah, it's
0: very close, very close. But let's take it, let's take it and move onwards. Where are we going to
2: second, Sam? Okay, let's go to Italy, where I think we can lock in a couple straight off the bat, just as we did with the Premier League. The standout number nine in Italy has obviously been Victor Rossi. twenty-one goals to his name, four assists as well. Takes an entire backline to to slow him down and marshal him. Absolutely an insane player. And to his left should really be his clubmate, Kovara, Kovaradona. 12 goals yeah. and 10 assists. Exactly the same as Bukayo Saka, yeah. coincidentally. Um, and he's been absolutely unplayable. Then we we need to move to the right. And this is where the debate kicks in here on the right-hand side for Serie A. And I think there's, there's also a bit of an issue here, which is that, you know, ideally you sort of, you plan out this front three and you've got two wingers and a striker. In Serie A, the... You know, there's a lot of back threes and front twos as a combo. So Napoli and Lazio play 4-3-3, fine. But Roma do not. Inter do not. Atalanta do not. And Juve mostly do not either. And AC Milan don't have a right side. It's non-existent half the time. So we're in a bit of a pickle here, I think. And I'm wondering what the genuine best option here is on the right. Because there's some natural options that probably don't meet the quality test. We might have to get a little bit creative, and I do have an idea here. But just in case I've missed anything, Jack, do you have any solutions for me?
0: Yeah, I I completely understand what you are saying. I mean, the three players that I think stand out as as options, and this is a bit uh, none of them are right wingers. So, Lautaro Martinez has been excellent for Inter. Adamola Lickman's been absolutely exceptional for Atalanta, and I think he is the most natural.
2: Yeah. of these he hasn't options to go on that
0: right-hand side but he there. hasn't played there no mm. uh, and then there's paulo Dybala, who is very much not a right winger but has been excellent for
2: roma but Roe- but Ro- dibala bit- mate mate dibala he he plays right 10 kind of yes like if that when they play the front three and they they play they he plays as the kind of right-sided 10 with maybe pellegrini on the left sometimes like he He feels like the closest, excellent performer. He scored 11, assisted six in 20 starts. He's been really good. He feels like the best kind of fit. I think the actual best natural fit is somehow Felipe Anderson, but I don't think he deserves to be in the team. So I wouldn't, I would not put him forward, but he plays on the right wing. Well, actually he plays up front now. Uh, okay, we're in it, still in the pick. I was going to
0: say, Schiff, Schiff Zikanyi, I could shift, shift I think this is probably recently biased, but I think he's been absolutely excellent over the last couple of weeks um, for Lazio. Yeah. And I think he would do a job on the right-hand side. But my, my, my gut feeling is Adi Lookman. But if you went for Dabala, I wouldn't be devastated.
2: I don't think we should shift a left winger over. Don't like that precedent. And I feel sorry for Zakani in that sense because he's been excellent, but Kvara. Um, Dean, do you have a preference? I'm thinking Dybala. Can't we get
3: Rafael Liao into the conversation? <laughs> yeah, well, that's
2: exactly the same issue. Yeah.
3: I know, but, like, shift Aussie men onto the right and stick Liao for the middle. <laughs>
0: we're, we're not like, shifting no, Kvara. No. We're not shifting anyone anywhere.
3: It's so, so bad that Rafael Liao wouldn't get into a Serie A front three, isn't it? Like, that is it seems ludicrous yeah has he ever played on the right I can't remember it but
0: I can't remember it either I also think that. there's a point to be made that yeah whilst he's still been excellent the his impact has definitely been dulled from last season which is part it of the has reason last season, that season, yeah it's part you of know, the reason that you know Milan on top of said yeah because he's mm. not been as explosive and dynamic as he was last season that's not completely his fault there's other issues as well um but yeah, generally, it's it's one of those where we're looking at it and going, I, I don't think you'd put him in ahead of Lukman or DiBala this season based on his actual production.
2: Right. So mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna say we should go with DiBala as a. We're not. It's not a shoehorning, but it's not that far off because he will operate yeah. in that general area of the pitch quite a lot, cutting onto the left foot.
0: Okay. All right. So Paulo DiBala goes in. As your third player for Serie A alongside Ossimen and Vicha Kvaratskhelia, right
2: onwards. Not bad. Onwards. Not, not, bad. not bad at all. Mm, okay, let's go to Spain next. Let's go to Spain. Uh, this is hard. Yeah, this is hard. Yeah. I've
0: really struggled
1: with this.
2: Okay, so let's let's start up front where I don't I don't have a definitive answer for you because while there are two of the world's very best number nines playing in Spain, in the form of Lewandowski and Benzema. Both have very clearly had their issues this season. Benzema's had some injuries and he had a really slow period, uh, I think just before the World Cup or maybe just after. It was several months ago. Lewandowski has scored 17 goals. It's nothing to be worried about, but he's missed some games from suspension. I've watched his last two. He he frankly hasn't been very good. Um, He's been up and down, it has to be said. So Lewandowski has 17, Benzema has 14, neither are perfect. I don't know if this is an option because I'd never play him up front on his own, but Griezmann has arguably been better value than either of them. Yeah. And very, very important to Atletico Madrid, but he doesn't really fit any of the positions in a front three based on what he does for Atletico.
0: Oh, there's the other player I'm about to suggest, which is Iago Aspas, who's having another yeah. absolutely <laughs> sensational season um, you know, 12 goals, three assists in La Liga. Celta have been yeah, very impressive, to be honest. I think a lot of people had them slated for another relegation battle and they're comfortably mid-table with one eye still, I think, on, on that last spot for the Conference League. So I think he's been absolutely incredible as per. I feel like I'm the one that always brings up Aspas on this podcast and like, every time Dean sighs. Um, but it's... <laughs> I, I think that there's a conversation where Aspas probably needs to be in this one as well. And and to be perfectly honest with you, I'd be OK with either of them flanking, both of them, in fact, flanking a striker.
2: Well, that's interesting. Mm. I hadn't considered that. Um, Dean, do you have a leaning on the sort of top top three most notable names here on Lewandowski, Benzema and, and Griezmann? I mean, we, we don't have to decide now. We can move over to the wings and come back to it. But do you have a take on either of those two or three? Oh, it's so hard, isn't it? It's not
3: Griezmann. Okay. It's one of the other two. My hunch, when I first, when I first like picked my top three, Lewandowski got it.
2: So that was my instinct was to go to Lewandowski. But obviously it's tough. Yeah, mine, mine was the same. Mine was Lewandowski by a hair. I didn't feel good about it. I still don't. But it was Lewandowski. Let's no I mean okay yeah. let's put that on ice for a second and cut so left wing is the one I feel most comfortable with and I feel like that is Vinicius Jr's role Nail. he's been Nailed. superb the production actually just in terms of like you know not, not to judge every player solely by this as I often warn but nine goals six assists sort of does a bit a bit of an injustice I feel like he's been running that flank all season long plays almost every game super durable super consistent nowadays And he's even got the better of Ronald Araujo recently. Like He's basically completed La Liga this season. Um, I won't necessarily get the La Liga title to show for it, but I think think he's been absolutely superb. So I feel really comfortable with Vinny on the left. I don't feel comfortable with anybody, though, opposite him on the right either. So La Liga still feels like a bit of a mess.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. It's not been a great season for goals uh, and production, to be honest, in, in La Liga. It lags behind the other five leagues in terms of um the, the output that we've seen so i, I think that, that it's fair to suggest it is i am going to put one down that i say if anton griezmann isn't in this front three i'm going to throw a hissy fit so it, you're going to have to stick him in at the right wing as far as i'm concerned
2: okay well so his opposition on the right wing would be dembele who has only started 14 games due to injury problems i think that's enough to genuinely rule him out i think we yeah. need to need to have a bigger sample Rafinha, I think, has come in and out of form too aggressively um, for Barcelona to be the shout here. Rodrigo has actually played quite a lot of football up front when Benzema's injured. Atletico don't use wingers. Um, get down to Chukwese for Villarreal. Excellent season. Brilliant at the weekend. But is he really good enough to be in the La Liga's front three? The only other option Was I've got for Five or six, is... six
0: goals. Mm-hmm. Is he Palathon?
2: I was going to say it wasn't going to be him actually believe it or not it was going to be Valverde who's played about half his football on the right yeah I thought you were going to say Nika, no mm. unfortunately not Valverde um, yeah he's played roughly half his season out on the right on the right flank interesting one but I'm not taken um, by okay. any of it and if Jack's going to throw a hissy fit I don't want to see that so maybe we have to put Grizzly on the right yeah how often has he played on the right Griezmann never <laughs> <laughs> so it, so we can't do it because we
3: just weren't allowed to do it with liao
0: he's not played on the left either he just sort of plays in in, in the he plays on the right of the front too doesn't floats. he floats like, he floats he floats i i trust Griezmann enough to do it is, is my thing i wouldn't trust if you move liao to the right hand side i'd be very uncomfortable i think if you put grizzly out on the right he would be fine that's my that's my counter argument to that i think Griezmann would absolutely fine on the right. It wouldn't bother me. Um, but I would have gone for a very narrow front three of, of Iago Aspas and Griezmann as sort of like joint narrow tens behind behind Lewandowski. So, hey. You wouldn't have put Vinny into your three. That is insane. Mate. No, I That's think I, I, I think insane. Vinicius Jr. has been excellent in, in the Champions League. I think he's been excellent, as we saw in the Copa del Rey. Um, but actually, if you're doing it as a La Liga front three, I think this is a season he'll look back at and be like, I could have, you know, I really could have bounced onwards and I didn't kick on from last year. I don't think Vinicius has been as good. In the same way that I said this about Liao. I don't think Vinicius has been as good this season as he was last season. And Part of that isn't his fault, fine. But I think there have been other players that have done more this season in order to, where their club's ambitions are, etc., to carry their sides. And I think Iago Aspas is one of them. And I I would argue that Izzy Palathorn might be as well.
2: Dean, I think we should just outvote in here and put Vinny in. We've already outvoted. Yeah, okay, fine. Right, Vinny's in. Vinny's in. Vinny's in. Have we? It sounds like we've all reluctantly come to the conclusion that Lewandowski leads the line. Yes. I think so, yeah. I don't feel um, good about if- this. I don't either, and if we were still at Bleacher Report, I would
3: be terrified of the fallout from this once they put it on socials and uh, all, all the Madrid fans get onto our back. But it's not, so we'll be fine, right? No, it's not well, really yeah, hard. I don't think
0: I don't think you can I don't <laughs> think you can look at it and go, well, either neither of them have been particularly brilliant, and Lewandowski's goal tally is higher, and Barcelona are, you know, what twelve clear at the top of the league. So yeah. I think his impact has been more pronounced in the course of the league season. So I I think think there's many okay
3: arguments there. with that. I think we're okay. It's just this right hole.
2: It sounds like we've all got different ideas. Yeah. I've got Nico Williams. (laughs) I've got... I'm genuinely... I don't think... I just don't think it's fair to put Griezmann on the right since he never plays there. Like, Dybala was a a stretch, but he does does go right. He does play right 10. In which case, I
0: genuinely think you put Griezmann through the middle. I think he's been better than both Lewandowski and Benzema this season.
2: I agree, but he hasn't played up front. <laughs> <laughs> but it's this it's, it's the problem more... with this game.
3: Yeah, this game sucks. We're not doing midfield anymore. If if we're doing attacking midfielders, he could have played
0: there. Gabriel Vega could have played as well, yeah. which would have been a different thing. Look at me and my look yeah. at me and myself ego boys having a good time. Griezmann
3: just not in top three. He's actually not not a front three player anymore. Griezmann, he's
2: a, he's in a little role on his own. Mm, yes, that's true. Okay, I'm going to vote for Chukwese on the right. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that.
0: Well, I'm going to be outvoted again, but I'm going to throw my hands <laughs> in the air. And
2: <laughs> say it all, Vinicius, Lewandowski, Chukwueze. No. I think that's a,
3: considering, yeah, what the two we've already picked from England and Italy. I think that that's that's a competitive three. Yeah. It
2: just feels like the most true front three. You know, staying within the the staying within what we're looking for yeah our yeah, spurious guidelines and such all right let's move on to the bundesliga and um i'm going to start by asking a question should any of Bayern munich's players be in the front three jamal musiala i have not seen him play much outside of a central kind of 10 role this is the problem again yeah he doesn't he's like he's doesn't fit into a front he 3 doesn't does fit he? in he's not i would not class him as a front three player here if we're doing front fours, Jack, you'd be on the right show, but you're in the wrong show, mate. <laughs> Musiala has been absolutely amazing, but it's almost all come through the centre. Some of it on the left, but mostly on the no, mostly in the centre. Mm. And that's a problem here. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah I, can, I, can, I can accept that. That's so fine. then you've not got Chippo Motting.
2: Does anyone want Chippo Motting? No. no. No, I do love him, and I, I think he should
0: be given more credence and credit
2: okay well not here uh mané nope. injured uh nope. sané and Gnabry, in and out of the team like nope. i'm not nope. like i think sané's actually been really good when I, whenever i've seen him but i've also seen him play centre midfield um i've seen him you know come off the bench six or seven times it's it's been yeah so rotation no one's
3: sure what to do with him i think even he's unsure whether he should be there and i don't know what's going to happen
2: there yeah, yeah. so i've kind of in my mind while there's at least one Bayern player that deserves to be given credit in Musiala. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he can take a spot in this team based on the guidelines. Um, but look, up front, the the league's top scorer is Nicholas Fulkrug, 16 yeah, goals yeah. for Werder Bremen, superb. But I think Randall Colomoani yeah. is better. Yeah, I was going to say he's also, he's also got yeah.
0: 11 assists, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's 11 goals and 11 assists, which is a pretty good production rate for the big man. uh, actually had lies 12 goals and 12 assists
2: i read it as 12 and 10 on who scored but either way Mm -hmm. it's in that area (laughs) and it's brilliant
3: yeah i think Kalimwani's is the one yeah
2: just found out oh we shared a birthday
3: yay (laughs) he's my birthday pal (laughs) i didn't know that he'll be so pleased he'll be delighted (laughs) yeah that's what he wears number nine we've got so much in common me
2: and kyle Mm. brilliant Kelebani no, up front leading the line yes, yes. yes. no 100%. Yeah, 100% lock it yeah. lock okay. it in so, on the right i have got two candidates next. for you right mm-hmm. it's Musa Diaby or Julian Brandt
0: yeah i was going to go uh, Diaby i was Diaby was my immediate thought
2: but um, has Diaby had a
0: good season i haven't seen
2: him like i
3: yes. i yeah. hear it hasn't been I mean, good season i, mean, from, it wasn't I read about it more while. than watch him
2: yeah, it wasn't Since Jabby Alonso
0: came in, Jabby has been absolutely exceptional. The question is, okay. has he actually played on the right wing? The answer is probably not. Um, well, since jabby's but- come in, he's played right forward in a two. Yes. <laughs> so I think he could do a job out there. But he um,
2: legit is a right-sided forward. Like. Yes. I would class him as, as eligible as Dybala. Uh, but I would also say that while like he's obviously provided more in terms of production, Julian Brandt has been exceptional and Dortmund have had streaks where they've been you know the best team in the league and Brandt's been the been the best or second best player on the team yeah, and yeah. while he doesn't quite stack up to Diaby in terms of goals of assists like he's probably been more pivotal to his team than maybe Diaby was to to his and I'm I'm tempted by Brandt I don't here. know by that I don't know about that I think Diaby's been a
0: really really key element in this resurgence of Leverkusen and the fact that they are currently the form team in the Bundesliga suggest to me that things have started to go right. I think they're dark horses of the Europa League. I think that they are in a good place to challenge for the, for the top four. It might be just out of reach. So I've left it just too late. But they're in, they're in a really good spot by Leverkusen. And so much of it has been to do with that releasing the shackles from Diaby and, and allowing him to do what he does best. I think his streak of form has coincided with a rocket up the league.
2: Yeah but how actually, much of that is more linked to the return of Florian Witt as the false nine orchestrator mm. and the mm. you know the uh, you know the Amin Adley um explosion uh, you know it's not I know you're not saying it's all him but like I don't know how much credit to attribute to him and yet with Brandt I feel like he was an absolutely massive part of the Dortmund run and has been has had an exceptional season and when yeah, he goes I down agree. injured against Chelsea, you know, five minutes in, and all the Dortmund fans are, like, well, that's it then. We're done. That, that really tells you how pivotal a cog that he has been.
0: Yeah, okay. All right. I'm I'm okay with Brandt I, I think he's been I think he's been excellent this season. So I, I have less fights with that. I just love Musta Yeah,
2: yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Um all right, Carla Moane in. Brandt in left wing. Jack, help us. Vincenzo out. Vincenzo
0: Grifo yeah. at Freiburg. A hundred percent. Like, as in, like, I don't have any doubt whatsoever that it should be Grifo. Um uh. You know, he's, he's had a, a really, really good season. 13 goals, four assists. He's been crucial to, well, their, their, their rise up through the last couple of leagues. It's not just not just this season, obviously. But Freiburg currently in fifth place. Um, they had a good run in the Europa League, obviously knocked out eventually by, by Juventus as well. But they're they're having a bit of a, a struggle moment at the moment. They're, they're having that little blip. At this point um but they're in the semi-finals uh, of the DFB pokal and grifo has been absolutely crucial to everything good that's come out of this freiburg side um he plays you know in these areas he sort of they play sort of four two 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 ish kind of space um he plays as like a left 10 uh, and i think it would be a real shame and a massive massive miss if he wasn't in here because i, I think he's been the best left-sided player In the Bundesliga this season. Good argument. (laughs) I I don't know who he is, but good argument. Yeah. I have, yeah. I obviously don't watch them all.
2: I mean, Dino, like, he's 13 13 goals, four assists. So he's knocking on the door of like, you know, 20 20, uh, goal involvements. Um, He has been quietly very good for a number of years. And I'm happy to give Jack one.
3: Yeah, well, I was going to go with Alisson play um, Gladback, but that's mainly because I fell in love with him uh, during lockdown when they were my team. Um, you were in the stands, so you? that's uh, the remember car. I was. I was in the stands. Yeah, yeah. It's that literally. Cardboard, literally. Cutout, my cardboard cutout. Cardboard <laughs> cutout. Um, not the first time being called that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So he's obviously having a decent season. I've only seen him play a few times. I can't put up a good enough argument against Jack who sits up till two in the morning watching Bundesliga, unfortunately.
0: Okay. Well, there you go then. Excellent.
2: We have to trust you, Jack.
0: We'll get one. We'll get one.
2: Okay. We'll
0: let you have that one. Fantastic. Right. Let's keep rolling, shall we?
2: Who's next, All right. Sam? Fifth and final league. Liga, over in France. And um, I'll, you know, copy and paste the Bundesliga methods to start us off and ask you how many PSG players would you like to feature in this front three? I mean, they've got three very good forward players. I don't think that they all qualify.
0: No, it's really hard because obviously oh. the, in terms of output, they're, they're streets ahead of almost everybody else. Messi's on 14 goals, 14 assists. Neymar's on 13 goals, 11 assists. Mbappe's on 19 goals, 4 assists. It's quite hard to look past them um it's well, that, two
3: of the three
0: i think it's two of the three i think it's Messi and mbappe either I think it's side mbappe. of jonathan david would be my my take on this
2: matter so messi plays he does play very central for psg um he does but i'm okay with putting messi in the on the right wing but like, yeah, that's a messi, reasonable thing to do there's just nothing wrong with seeing messi on the right wing and of course he sort of drifts over there if they do play a front three and they you know they tried to they tried to put somebody else up top then obviously Messi ends up over on the right hand side anyway. So I'm yeah. I'm fine with that. And Mbappe obviously commands the left space. I don't think there's anybody else that can hold a candle to him naturally. Golovin, I think, has had a nice season. I really like Golovin. Um, but I'm not saying that he should be in this team ahead of ahead of Kylian Mbappe. Um but Jack, you sort of started us off there with this central striker debate. There's there's, there's an four, in, I think. There's an interesting collection of players. So Jonathan David has 19 goals. Um, Lacazette has 18. Uh, Balogun has 18. And Ben Yedder has 17. I'm going to be honest, mm. my vote goes to Ben Yedder.
0: Yeah, uh, Tara moffi as well, who has 16. you obviously moved yeah, from L'Oreal it. to Long. Mm. So... There's that in probably just outside the equation. Um, I'm I'm okay with it being Ben Yedder. I I think he's had a a phenomenal season. And also his guidance of of Ben Skiri has been been really lovely to see on on top of everything else. Um, Obviously, we've loved Flo Balogun. We've loved what he's been doing at at home. But I'm absolutely fine with it being a swan song for 32-year-old with Sam Ben Yedder.
3: As long as that's right, lads, I don't mind. Because I think I'd have gone Balogun. Just on impact and form, and like
0: in terms of I impact mean, and carrying his side, Balogun has definitely done the most of anyone. Um, yeah, I feel
3: like he's a, the most natural, like to pick as your central, yeah, your main man of that attack to finish off what those two are going to be setting up.
0: Jonathan David um, had a really Jonathan David good has well. the bit
3: more pedigree, and like, <laughs> yeah, he's ready for the next big move or whatever. And like everyone knows who he is at this point. So Ben Yedder was not the name that I when I was uh, thinking this morning, who are they going to pick? I really didn't think you were going to go with ben Yedda, but I can't win. So if you pick Ben Yedda, it's Ben Yedda. <laughs> Well,
0: I, I, think, I think Monaco Monaco are fourth and Lille are fifth. And that, that kind of gap between them is quite high at this point. Um, whereas I think Monaco have had, when you look at the season, I think a lot of people thought, "Man, this is probably going to be a, a kind of turnover season, a rebuild season for Monaco." And the fact that they've been able to get out there and challenge again has been a lot to do with Ben Yedder's goal output, um, Whereas I think Leo would have expected to be sort of challenging top three this season. And, and they've fallen off a bit. They're you know nine points behind Marseille in third. So yeah, I mean, it, it's there's not much between them, um, and there's not much between them and, and Balogun. And I think Rain would have bitten your hand off to be in even in the conversation for sort of seventh sixth before the season began. So there's that to kind of add to the equation as well. Um but yeah I'm I'm okay with kind of any of these. I think they've all they've all been on a a relatively level playing field. I don't think there's much between them.
2: Mm, Yeah I know the nice Mm. collection there. They're very even Stevens. We didn't really mention Lacazette there but he's got 18 goals. I don't think we're not going to put him in the team but he's 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 in this collection with these other guys. Uh but it sounds like we've we've settled on on Mbappe, Ben Yedder and Messi, which is which is all five leagues. So the last thing to do is to is to rank them five to one. Um I'll kick us off if you like. I mean yeah uh, I mean I don't think there's any getting away from it. The Bundesliga front three on paper is the worst one. Yeah. It just has to be. Um so disrespect to them. I really like all the players, but yeah. It's not going to stack up to, to the others that we've we've picked. It's not going to compare, is it, on the output, no? And um, then it starts to get really difficult, <laughs> literally from that really moment. Really difficult. Because, um, again, you're sort of, in your head, you're like working out, okay, well, on paper, La Liga's front three is exceptional, but like in practice, it, it hasn't thrilled us. But we've mm. just put the Bundesliga's bottom on paper. So how do you sort of fairly rank these two?
3: And the fact we struggled to find a right-sided player in La Liga really tells you a lot, mm. I think.
2: Yeah, it's like the weak, the
3: weak link argument, isn't it? It's like the weak link, like the, all the others, like we had options in all the positions. And I think for La Liga, the fact that we, you know, they've obviously got great forwards in La Liga, but none of them filled that gap. And that means that whoever we were going to pick and put there was not going to be a strong point of that, of that trio so however good the other two are i feel like Mm. the right side naturally is is going to let it down a little um and just trying to think off the top of my head who they're comparing to here the other names that we talked about i think it would have to be la liga in at four Uh, i
0: think you're right i think you look at the right hand side and it's saka brandt messi dibala and and chikwese and whilst i love Sammy Chicoise, I think the rest of them are slightly in a in a, in a higher capacity, in a higher league at this point than than where he's at. He hasn't been consistent enough to be in that world class bracket, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. I think the rest of them are probably there or thereabouts. So, yes, I think La Liga has to go in at four.
2: Okay, me. I would oh. then I would then suggest that Serie A comes in at third. Oh. Oh. And I just I just feel like maybe the battle I the think about you're talking about
0: is... I think you're talking about Europe's two top two best players right there. As in this season, Europe's two best players have been Victor Osterman and Kavala That, That's literally where we're at.
2: I don't think that's necessarily true. They've been really good. But I mean, yeah, Har- Erling Haaland and, and Bakayo Saka are very, very good competitors there for them. And I don't know if we can put a front line with Messi and Mbappe in any lower than second. I, I feel like the battle yeah. for the torch here is between Holland and Saka and Messi and Mbappe. And and I, I do apologise to the the, uh, the Serie A lads there; they've been superb. but I think they end up in third. Totally, and the the competition level
3: hasn't been as as strong as it should be. I know that's not their fault. Like they've they've battered everyone. Like they, they couldn't have done more than they've done. But the levels to which they can be judged at can only go so far, I think. And like I did actually think that you two would would be pushing for for Serie A to win this whole I, thing. I so. am, I
0: am pushing. <laughs> just, so, just, um, just like today, we're just you know the, the level of competition that they're they're up against has been so weak has provided the most teams in the Champions League last date. Just so we're all aware, yeah. Just so we're all coincidence. Oh yeah. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Completely irrelevant. Fine. Um, (laughs) Against against the team that you know the the teams (laughs) in the Champions League last day, Europa League last day, the Conference League last day. Italy's provided more than any other country. Um, Just a cup
3: competition, mate. It's (laughs) a knockout.
2: Yeah. Third. Fine. Third. Which leaves us with with the big debate at the
3: very so. Who are the three players? What's
2: the what's the head to head here? So we've got it's Rashford. And Erling Haaland and Bukayo Saka taking on Mbappe, Messi, and Ben Yedder. If you brilliant. want to apply the weak link argument, then Ben Yedder unfortunately lets the team down in these stakes. He mm. never lets Monaco down, but he would let let his team down in this fictional fantasy exercise. Um, and so would all the others, you, I think. But, that you but mentioned. if you want to wait towards the very best players in the world, well, I think that I think that the Liga front three here has. A more clear suggestion for the best player in the world uh, across two different individuals there than the Premier League can claim. I don't. Yeah. I don't think Holland or Saka in the conversation to be the very best in the world. I think Messi and Mbappe is one of the two. So how do you decide that? Yeah. Do you just do you oh. just do
0: this straight out as a, as a one two three? Would you rather have Mbappe or Rashford? Mbappe. Would you rather have Rashford. Ben Yedder or Holland? Holland. Would you rather have Messi or Saka? Messi. There you are. (laughs) 2-1. As simple as that. (laughs)
3: That's surely the way you did it. But as a three, as a three, I think the Premier League's is better. Yeah. It's got a higher floor for sure. Um, Yeah. Yeah. If you were to field that three in any fixture and field the Liga three in any fixture, I'd fancy the Premier League ones to, to do more damage. I think that they're better as a three.
0: Hmm. Yeah,
2: I it's mean, it's a very I, difficult, it's a, a very, very difficult, difficult conversation. Well, it sounds like, Jack, you've got the, you got the decider here. Is that I think I've picked France and, and Dean's picked England. I'm going to go France.
0: Uh, I can't like, believe we've got it wrong after all that. <laughs>
2: prem, <laughs> I, can't be dealing
0: with prem, I can't be dealing with Prem face accusations after all of that. I, 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 for what it's worth, I would have had the Premier League in a second anyway, but I would have had Serie A above them. And league I in third, but um...
3: <laughs> we put a farmers league in at one lands. Oh my here day! Who'd have
0: thought? It's absolute clown and breeze as usual. <laughs> um, right, we had the, the highest depth of quality in terms of picking a centre forward in in the French one as well. We had the, a, a selection of people all at very very similar level. I don't think there was anything like that anywhere else was there mm, i think that we, so we didn't even bother in the
3: premier it. league we just left it at harland we didn't even have a conversation <laughs> that. Yeah. Well, I mean, behind that <laughs> you we're know, gonna be was, like ivan tony it's you kane know? isn't it <laughs> it's kane tony <laughs> it's kane mate yeah it's yeah. so a bloke called harry kane yeah quite know. quite nice he plays the number
0: 10 like uh Antoine yeah. to right. be he's not he's not he's not fair it doesn't count um right with that i think it's <laughs> probably time for us to finish this segment and go on to our third and final section don't go anywhere Welcome back to Ranks FC. Time for our third and final segment, and Dean Jones, the floor is yours.
3: It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is Andy Robertson. So, wow. the big story this is going to
0: be controversial.
3: The big story of the weekend, away from the action, was when an assistant referee was seen to elbow Robertson at half time. Uh, of the Liverpool Arsenal game Um, kind of funny definitely something I hadn't seen before and obviously caused a lot of debate and conversation to be honest I think it's been like a, a big palaver over not a lot I don't think this is a particularly a big deal and to be honest I think Andy Robertson there's been a bit of a melon about this whole thing. Um, I should caveat this with, I think that Robertson is one of the most unlikable players in the Premier League. Um, I think he is great. If you support Liverpool, if you don't, uh, you'll see him as a whiner, somebody that tries to wind people up constantly. I really and... like Andy
0: Robertson for what it's worth. I think he's crack, great crack. <laughs> there
3: you go. Um, and literally, you know, one of the first times something happens to him out of the ordinary he's basically crying about it um so let's just look at what happened here as the halftime whistle goes and everybody starts to leave the pitch he makes a beeline for the official he then puts his hand on him and the Lino's had enough right he doesn't want this he shrugs him off aggressively yes uh but you shouldn't be touching him in the first place and robertson stands eight game ban for touching shocked. referee is isn't it he's so shocked because he's hit him in the throat and then he goes after him again and as the ref walks away as the lino walks away he actually, quite faintly, but shrugs his shoulder again, like he can't, like get off of me again. Almost like so. Even when Robertson's not there, he, he kind of does the action again. He's like using his body to say, "Don't touch me," and I'm sure it's because officials. This is a big deal at the moment, anyway, because of what's been happening recently, Fernandez, Mitrovic, all the rest of it, and. You know, they've they've been talking about it, no doubt about it, in meetings and before games and how they're gonna deal with situations like this. And they're fed up of being hounded. Andy Robertson think he's gonna come of chasing an official at half time to try and make a point to him. Is that gonna help him in the second half? Probably not. And as it is, um Konstantin Hatsidakis' his name um, is now under investigation for this. Um and I understand that. Like of course they've got to go through protocol, like his, his elbow did hit him, like that that's true. Um and other officials, I think, are by the sound of it, through through reading from news outlets, are, are actually quite surprised in his reaction because of how over the top it was. But look, I, he, I genuinely think he just wanted Robertson to get off him. I think that that Rob, Robertson is being bit overboard here, a little bit entitled. I think he thinks he deserves a special case that he gets a one on one with a match official at halftime to to plead a situation which the official doesn't want or need to hear. He puts his hands on him and the refs have had enough. Um so Keane, Roy Keane called him a baby after this game. Um I'll go one further. I'll call him a melon. Mm.
0: I I think it's a this is this is a really tricky one in, in so many ways. I, I think that obviously the contact is instigated by Andy Robertson. And if we're staying by it, we saw a lot of things in that game where referees were pushed. Um, apparently that's, you know, as we said before, if we're, if, we're, if we're standing by the laws of what were applied recently, that's an eight game ban.
2: Well, no, um, only the ref. Only the ref.
0: Well, there was, there was hands on the ref as well. Yeah. So, so Robbo apparently game, has done
2: nothing wrong because Bruno did that not and uh, nothing.
0: No, 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 exactly. I, look, and obviously, also officials can't go around elbowing players. I agree with you that I don't think... I don't alive. think he's tries to hit him in the in the net but equally contact is contact
3: um if someone came up to you in the street and grabbed your arm you do exactly the same thing yeah. you shrug them off from behind him yeah. he's come from behind him and touched him and your instant reaction is to shrug someone off like that yeah. and that exact movement that he made
0: if someone came up to me on today, everybody
3: go and try touching <laughs> someone randomly when they're not expecting you <laughs> don't try that's, that no, don't try that's that. that's not the best but you understand is. what but, i'm saying your saw, immediate reaction if someone does and
2: i saw robertson screaming at this this linesman like over and over again in the in the first half and and robertson does do this you know he's got a very Shouty face and the reason that's okay. the reason, you can easily picture Andy Robertson shouting at someone in your mind is because he's pretty much constantly shouting at people on the football pitch, and he he, he does. He gives he goes uh, he gives Lino's a proper earful, and he was giving this one a proper constantly. earful during the game. Then he sort of chases after him a little bit at half time, and this happens. I, I don't think for one second that the Lino was has ever actually intended to to end up doing what he's done but he's he's just sort of shrugging him off batting him away and it's kind of happened it's it's unfortunate but it's the latest in a latest installment isn't it in a in a whole bunch of oh geez everyone keeps touching the officials and it's a nightmare
3: it mm. is ridiculous. I mean, footballers just need to stop it, basically. It doesn't help you. Nothing ever changes when you do this. Just leave it alone. Mm. Pointless. Right, let's move on to nicer matters. Thanks, everyone, for sending in your shout-outs. It's time for shout-out of the week. This week's shout-out of the week is Z-Rod from the USA. He says, best pod in the world, five stars. These guys are so chill. Jack. Jack. Sam and Dean form an unbreakable partnership like a great three at the back. They're not only funny, but also truly care about their listeners and the podcast as a whole. They are so great at coming up with new topics for ranks and really just anything in football to talk about. You cannot possibly get bored. Jack is not only the most knowledgeable. <laughs> sorry? What? Um, sorry, I've I just checked that. It's not a typo. Hang on, let me show you that again. Jack is not only. Yeah, no, it, it says, says Jack is not, Jack is not only the most knowledgeable. Knowledgeable, <laughs> h- hilarious, almost patronising wordsmith of a host there is, but keeps the balance of the show like a great number six. Dean is an analytical, fun, good looking. Oh no, it doesn't say that. Uh, very intelligent, <laughs> <laughs> very intelligent transfer guru. I'd compare him to Willian at Fulham. When he's not there, you feel like you're really missing something. <laughs> he said, "I have a feeling you guys are really like that one." Yeah, I do like that. You got so many um, hair as Sam- well. Sam is not only the rank god of all rank gods, he is what helps make this show pop. One of the reasons I love the pod is because they don't only delve into surface level content, they go above and beyond. From exploring the rich history of Athletic Club to the best up and coming prospects, this pod has you covered. I am a right back in high school in the US and even though my career has just ended, this pod ensures I'll never lose my love for football even though I'm a Chelsea fan. Oh, congratulations <laughs> about the last bit, mate, but thanks for the rest of That's it. That's <laughs> amazing.
2: Thank you so much, z Word. I appreciate it. Compared very, to a famous very... back thanks, three. I mean, if if we were if we were Juventus' um, BBC combo, who's who? I vote Jack as Chiellini because he's scrappy. Who's yeah. the worst? I'll play. I, I'm not a defender. Do
3: you know <laughs> when I, um? I don't know if I told you this ever, but I, when I played for Fulham, I broke my arm um, in a school rugby match, stupidly. Anyway, um, came back and the manager was just trying to give me a game at this point as i was trying to get back in the team and he used to we played a back three and he played me left center back oh no you're not even left footed mate what am i supposed to do i literally i literally where's the instruction manual i don't know what you do when you stand here like i'm five foot six whatever i was at the time like i'm i've never defended in my life I, i can't head it i'm not strong i can't do any of this like who do i even pass to from this position like no it was awful i hated it so much i mean, probably probably only time in my life i've hated football is when i played left center back so yeah i'll just be the worst of whoever the trio is that you're
2: thinking so I was not <laughs> no. suited. we'll have to stick you in the middle then
0: there's, <laughs> plenty, there's <laughs> yeah, plenty of yeah you're, you're you're what you call him the the big fella used to southampton vestergaard mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> oh dear oh no hey there you are there's a there's the middle of the back three right <laughs> We've had enough gibberish to last a lifetime already at this exact point, but uh, let's hear it, Sam.
2: Yeah, so this week I've got three big questions which I want to ask you. And they're just sort of questions that have popped into my head or my life over the last couple of weeks that I've squirreled away and noted down in order to get the wise guidance of you two fine gentlemen on uh They're completely random and completely different from one another. There is no link whatsoever and you won't be able to answer at least two of them. So we'll kick off with what happened to all those UFOs that got spotted in February and why is it so suspiciously quiet? I've been thinking about this this week. Have you? I I imagine it's just because people realised
0: they were just not UFOs. That's what they wanted to think.
2: That is probably what they want me to think, but
0: it's also what I believe is genuinely true. So I'd imagine they were just things floating about. They were probably drones. It's probably fine. Yeah. It's like, it reminds me actually. Um,
3: so in Walton at the moment, um, <laughs> I've joined... There's the, UFOs I've, in Walton. <laughs> well, I, I'm in the like local Facebook group or whatever, where you just like people just moan about the local area, or whatever's annoying. And, and a couple of people are like, last week everyone look out of your windows there's a bright red light in the sky what on earth is it this has never been there before um any ideas and they're like there's a couple of people like debating what this could be in the black night sky and some bloke's like yeah there's a crane and it's got a red light on the top of it and you just haven't seen it because it's it started there today yeah and everyone's like oh
2: it's always a (laughs) crane there goes our theory. It's always a crane. It's always a crane. They it's have to have a, crane a light a drone so that like <laughs> planes don't fly into them and stuff. And it's just the way it is. Um, yeah, I mean, I live in a building site. So I've been surrounded by cranes for the last four years. <laughs> I, red I, lights I, everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Red light but, district. But there was like a little a flurry of them, wasn't there? Like three or four spotted in Canada was, or North yeah, America. Yeah. Um, and I've just, they were all cranes. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
3: Fantastic. Okay. I love the idea of UFOs, but just like the older I get, there's more like ludicrous. I think the whole thing is. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree.
2: Onwards. Okay. Now question number two, how do you feel about ham and mayo sandwiches? The combination of ham and mayonnaise? Pretty hot. I, I've never had it.
0: Hmm. It has to have bread in it as well.
2: Of course, yeah, it would need
3: bread. <laughs> um, <laughs> you got a sandwich with just mayonnaise and hams, yeah, uh, yeah,
0: and and butter, yeah, and butter. Yeah, I have this quite a lot, but it has to be. It's one of those like old school ones. I have to have been like really like crap white bread, you know, like the like the oh, really man. like lo- low. Low quality white bread sounds and like it, something
3: my nan used to eat in it, the 50s or something,
0: exactly. My nanny used to make these things <laughs> when I was at her house, and so I have a, a deep, enduring love. The only thing that makes these better is if you only have mayonnaise on one side of it and if you crush a little salt and vinegar crisps into mm. the other side, that this sandwich is, like, is good. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty hot on ham and mayo sandwiches, yeah.
2: So I think I had my mm. first one ever last week. Um, oh, uh, my wife brought me one, um, she doesn't often make lunch i I basically do the food that's why we're so malnourished and um so she sort of went down and and i was doing something else i'm watching man united everton or something and she she made me a sandwich it's like the first sandwich she's made me in probably years and she chose ham and mayo and i was like stunned i'd never had it before i'd never made it for myself i'd never made it for her i'd never seen it before um and I, we've got we had with chicken and rocket in the fridge which i think is a better combo for mayo and we also have mustard and i think ham and mustard go really well together but i never put those two together and i did not know how to feel i just i just had no idea i just wanted to know if i was if i was alone
0: no, no i'm pretty comfortable with that pretty comfortable
2: yeah almost. never tried it, mate. i'll have to give it a go uh, yeah, i actually wouldn't I recommend it uh, oh. <laughs> but i don't know if i was too stunned to enjoy it i don't know anyway onwards the number one question this week is why do all rhinos look fake and this is something that i have really come to wonder because one of the lads on my uh, my development i play football with nepalese guy called arps and he periodically sends me whatsapp videos of rhinos walking through the villages and streets of his hometown and they have a it's it's a thing it happens and, and once mm-hmm. the rhino gets onto the street you just get out of the way and hopefully your car is fine you know park it leave it just pray it doesn't touch it and you just get out of the yeah. way fine every single video that he sends me of these right they all look fake they all look like when ace ventura hides in a fake mechanical rhino uh to spy on uh, a couple of a couple of uh, well the villains of the piece in ace ventura 2. i can't get over it i just cannot get over how fake they look I'll be honest, I haven't got that
0: much experience of watching videos of rhinos. So I actually, I actually don't, don't, I can't really help you here. But um, I can imagine that because rhinos aren't something that we see in the world very often, it probably does look a bit
2: mad when you see a video of one wandering through a town. They just look like all, because they've got like the kind of, you know, the skin, the armor, whatever it is. And it's like the way it's panelled. It looks fa- it looks like panels, and I don't yeah, I don't really understand. I just I suspect maybe that there are no real rhinos and they're all fake. that's where I'm at. Yeah. you've just played too yeah. much um horizon,
0: and now you think all animals are mechanical bots. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that, that's, that's the true element that's the of truth. this story that's the truth. that no one has taken, taken into account. Um, and on that bombshell, I think it really is time that we call this yeah. nonsense to a halt um, and actually call this podcast a halt. So all that's left for me to do is to say thank you very much to our rank god, Mr. Sam Tai. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much to our Chancellor group, Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. I've been Jack Collins, knave of hearts. Thank you so much for listening today as ever. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode of Ranks FC, thank you for your reviews. Thank you for your five-star ratings. We do very much appreciate them. And we'd love if you shared this podcast with any and all of your friends who you think might enjoy it. So we will see you next week, Rank Squad. Enjoy the European football coming back this week. And we'll see you then. Take it easy. Peace. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and...